Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we are back with our number two, our afternoon edition here on a Monday, so day Mr. after the Super Bowl. Bradley, yes, sir. Um, yes. There is something to do about this commercial that um, was on last night, Robert F. Kennedy's commercial. He is apologizing to his fans or to his uh, supporters, if you will, people in general, because apparently there was this super PAC that made that commercial. Really, for Kennedy. So and he didn't. He, he didn't know about it. Apparently, he didn't know about it. Now, okay, that's kind of bizarre. But apparently, they used uh, the footage and some of that came from 1960, a campaign for his uncle, not ah. his dad, in 1968 okay. or whatever that was. Yeah. And so I, I'm just reading that for the first time, and it turns out that it, that he did apologize and. Uh, that it was uh, a mistake and shouldn't have happened, and um, yeah. Well, tru- truthfully, <laughs> uh, it, there, I I, ha- I tend to believe him because these super PACs supposedly are are not supposed to have any connection uh, on a day to day basis or what what kind of an ad is being put together for them or anything else. They're supposed to be, um, you know, not connected to the campaign at all. They just put money into promoting that person on a uh, on an independent basis so i could believe that that that's so he's he's apologized to his family and uh apparently he's not taking any responsibility for the production of the ad and you know okay all right well again i thought it was kind of cool i liked it i kind of liked it too i liked the black and white uh connection to the original he's a kennedy he's running for president come on lighten up jeez (laughs) exactly oh man i'll tell you to bring you up to date a little bit more on a couple of other political things over the weekend fanny may fanny willis (laughs) i call her fanny may fanny willis from uh, down in georgia there that has brought the lawsuit against uh, donald trump and then it turns out that the guy that she hired to be the lead attorney, she's been sleeping with and doing whatever else to him. Uh, they've been having a love affair, according to divorce documents that were brought by the uh, uh, the attorney's wife, who says uh, they've been commingling together, if you know what I mean. And now it comes out that she is supposed to be testifying before a hearing before Georgia, uh, before Georgia Legal Council, to determine whether she has misappropriately spent uh, Georgia f- money supporting this attorney when uh, she knew that it was illegal for her to do that, and now when she is she was uh, ready to testify in this case that uh, she was going to stand up for herself and say no, there's, there's no, there's been no misspending money, but now it turns out. The council representing the state has come forward and said that there are four, maybe five people, whistleblower types that have come forward that said, oh, yeah, we want to testify against uh, Willis as well. Uh, We know that she's been misappropriating money for quite some time, not only in this case, but in other cases. And so this whole thing could blow up in her lap big time. Uh, coming up very soon, so we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on this one. But boy, I'll tell you what, uh, 
Fanny Willis is, uh, I think she thought she was uh, going to get the one up on, on Donald Trump here. And actually, the the whole thing kind of fell apart. Uh, but one of the other people involved in the case has found out that she was sleeping around with this guy. And now the whistleblowers have come out and this whole thing could turn to a pile of mush. Well, listen, before we get too far along on other things here, I do want to remind everybody in the Northland, Twin Ports Cremation Services understands how hard it is when a loved one passes away. It's a very emotional time. They want to ease the burden on families during this very difficult time. They offer the most affordable cremation service in the area at just $1,450. They are locally owned and operated, and you can be assured that the money you pay for services at Twin Ports Cremation Services goes back into the community right here in the Northland. They also offer prepaid prepaid services to help ease the burden on your loved ones. You can uh, get a service and pay for it over a number of years, and uh, all you have to do to get this whole program started in your favor is to visit TwinPortsCremation.com. That's TwinPortsCremation.com, or simply pick up the phone and call them at 218 618- Six two four four five nine eight two one eight six two four four five nine eight Twin Ports Cremation Services. Well, we have a couple callers coming up. In fact, our first caller up here this second hour is uh, Tom from uh, Port Wing. Tom, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon to you, Brad. I have a couple comments about this uh, Super Bowl stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes. First and foremost. You know, my dad was born in 1912, and Vince Lombardi was born in 1913. And I knew my dad very well. And this person called uh, Post Malone, I renamed him Post Mortem. (laughs) You know, here's exactly what my dad would have said, and I'm sure Vince Lombardi would have felt the same way had they seen him performing, uh, you know, at the Super Bowl. Uh, look what the cat dragged in. That's yeah. exactly how that generation looked at people like that. For myself, you know, the the man looked absolutely horrific, horrifying. Uh, his hands looked like uh, somebody you would see the hands of a, of a literal postmortem. I mean, he was almost frightening uh, to to look at. Why do you know, and I have some children, you know, that are in that age range, and I, you know, let's not go too crazy with the darn tattoos, uh, where you look like something uh, an alligator, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think with the tattoos, usually are either symbols of one of two things, Tom. They're either a symbol that you've been in prison too long, or number two, oh, yeah. that you're a, a hardcore drug user of some sort. Yeah, the, the guy just looked awful. Secondly, I, I tuned into the first part because I wanted to see if they were going to play the black national anthem, and then I was going to turn it off. And right. no disrespect to to anybody else, but listen, this is one country. I agree with Kenny. You know, united we stand. I, I, I'm yes. fed up with that stuff. And, you know, I here, for African Americans, you've been replaced as the second uh, largest group of people in the country. Uh, you've been replaced by uh, Hispanics. 
And I don't want the Venezuelan national anthem. I don't want the Mexican national anthem. And I don't want the black national anthem. We're the United States yeah. of America. I want to hear the United States anthem. Okay? You know, Amen. I, I really don't understand these. Uh, go ahead. Well, I did I, I did read up on this guy a little bit because I was uh, kind of appalled and taken back like you were when I saw him. And the only thing the only thing I did find to his benefit is that he is uh, evidently very wealthy and has acquired all of his wealth by the fact that he writes and composes his own music and produces it itself. That's the only way you can really make money today in the music business, evidently, is if you write and compose and produce your own music. Then you can keep the bigger chunk of the money as it comes in from sales. And supposedly that's what he's done. But I don't know who he's selling this stuff to. I mean, uh, you know, I I, I had a hard time. I, I thought at first, I thought he was trying to do the national anthem. And I said to my wife, is, is he doing the national anthem? She said, no, I think it's God Bless America or something. I'm not sure. But it was undisguisable. Well, uh, Brad, this is the standard I use. And I wish they used it uh, at the whole event of the Super Bowl and still out on the field with an average game. I use the Vince Lombardi standard. I guarantee you that would have not passed muster for Vince Lombardi appearing that way. I don't care what he does. He could be a beautiful singer. He could be a great composer. But when you present yourself in public, in front of the American people, Vince Lombardi would have said, get that guy off the stage and, and, and clean him up and bring him back and see what we can do with him. You know, Vince Lombardi yeah. had, a, had a hair standard. I wish the NFL still had that standard. Some of these guys look like a mop that just flopped out of the mop closet. Come on, let's have... Well, and... And and I think Tom, I I I think we're going to find out that there has been some co- correlation with drugs in his past or something. Because I I think that's about the only reason you would put those kind of tattoos on your face with the other guy that's out there right now. This jelly roll, this big heavy set guy, he he does have some kind of interesting harmony, and and he's a poet. But he comes right out and says, hey, uh, this was left over from my drug days. This was left over from my prison time. Well, uh, I, I guess all I can say is uh, that would have never passed muster just a short time no. ago. Make yourself look no. presentable. Okay? That's a, all right. That's low very standard. good. Okay? Thank you. Thank all you right. very much. A little, little bit below my standards, too. I didn't. I, I just keep thinking, is is... Is the Super Bowl the time of the year that we come out with culture shock for everybody <laughs> and say, here is where we're heading to in our society? We're, well, there's even been some now that are coming out and saying that the show that Usher put out, why did yeah. he have stripper poles on stage during his performance? Yeah. Where is the Me Too movement? And is that a good <laughs> message for young women? How does it empower women? Is this a hypocrisy of the left? You know, it's fine for adults, well, but, uh, you know, someone pointed out that, uh, you know, Taylor Swift was in the sh- audience or at the game, and she had a lot of her followers, her uh, her Swifties, following her yeah. watching the game, and they're exposed to this uh, kind of behavior from uh, an adult uh, who is usher and behaving that way on stage. So, I don't know. I, I guess there's going to be always both sides of the scale on this, but... Uh, 
you know. I got I got to tell you, Kenny, in regard to uh, Taylor Swift and Kelsey, I, I I really do believe that's a true relationship at this point. I think they oh, really no, no. got a thing going with oh, each yeah. other. Yeah. I, you know, I thought uh, a couple of things from uh, Kelsey last night. His uh, the way that he uh, approached his coach and was screaming at him last night. Oh, I hope he gets God. fined heavily for that. Not that that's going to hurt him or anything, but he, his behavior is. And I know he's young; he's in his thirties. I think he's thirty-three. But my goodness, you can't talk to your coach that way, can you? And get no. away with it, and nothing happened. So I hope there is some repercussions there. And when he got up on stage, he started singing "Viva Las Vegas." And I know he's excited, and I know he's young. I get all that, but nah, he, yeah. his behavior was uh, was was not anything impressive to me. Well, and it, it's interesting you should bring that up because one of the criticism that appeared online about him was somebody needs to ask the question: Does Kelsey talk to Taylor Swift that way? Does he ever blow up at her that way? And uh, and if so, that relationship is not going to be a lo- around too long. So in other words, they were, they were basically saying a guy like that that blows up like that to yeah. a coach or to a manager or to an owner uh, or a business or at a business associate probably does the same thing at home yeah. with the relationship he has at home. You know, he might be a little bit like this guy. Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. Well, it is what it is yeah. because he is who he is. Boy, he sounded angry there. Well, thank you for bringing me back on track because I was wondering how I was going to get back to this. Well, there's a Fox you know, Business you know, we poll have... that just well, eighty-six yeah. percent of Americans think Biden is too old for a second term. Eighty-six oh, no percent, Brad. Yeah. Huh? I mean, that's incredible. It is, and I don't and, think he's and... too old. I just think he's too dumb. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Uh... He just and and he's all over the place, and that's what leads me back to this Fetterman. Uh, you know, now granted, John Fetterman is Israeli, right? Or he probably has Israeli blood in his veins. So I don't doubt that he part of it, what he came out with over this weekend, was because of that. With a name like that, I would assume he must be Israeli, or have some Jewish blood in him. But he came out over the weekend criticizing Joe Biden, his president, for what he has done now by uh, minimizing uh, the casualty, uh, you know, situation with the Palestinians, blaming them, uh, blaming the Palestine or blaming uh, all the deaths of Palestinians on Israel on Friday. Here's exactly what he said on Friday broadcast for the record of CNN's. Yes, he is not Jewish. He is not. He is not. I'll be doggone. Then that really makes me even stand up more and say, way to go, John Fetterman. On Friday's newscast of CNN Newsnight, Senator John Fetterman, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, and kind of an odd duck, we've talked about that in the past, responded to President Joe Biden's criticism of Israeli's military response to October 7th by stating that Hamas hides behind civilians. He further stated that Hamas is responsible for all the deaths of Palestinian civilians, while Israel wants to minimize civilian deaths, and the conflict would end if Hamas surrendered and he doesn't know why more people aren't talking about them surrendering. You know, and you wonder that. I mean, Israel itself has said, what, they had something like 28 or 30 battalions 
of Hamas fighters. Now they're down to three. You know, why are they continuing this fight? Because it is costing Palestinians, supposedly innocent Palestinians, just the people that live in that area, their their lives. Host Abby Phillips asked, so you have over the last several months now been such a staunch supporter of Israel, you've backed how the state of Israel and the IDF have conducted their war against Gaza. President Biden also last night during the press conference that the IDF operation in Gaza has been over the top. Those are his words. Is the president wrong? Fetterman responded, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that's his opinion. I'm not necessarily going to agree with that. I do understand that Israel's intelligence believes that Sinwar is actually hiding there because that's what these cowards do. They hide behind civilian and children and women like that as well, too. So I believe it's very critical that they destroy and eliminate Haza, Hama, Hamas for there to be real, true peace there in Gaza. And I, I tell you what, I tend to agree with them. I don't think you can look at any situation where you put Hamas back into any kind of control in that area without just redoing the whole horrific events of October 7th all over again. Anyway, look, we got to go to our first break here of uh, of our number two. And while we do that, let me remind everybody in, in the north in the Northland, uh, it's wonderful weather. We like it. We don't want any more snow, do we, Kenny? Bring it on. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. KDAL time is 1230. Uh, what are we doing out at uh, Big Sandy? 32 degrees and overcast. Now, that's at the McGregor Airport, but uh, just south of Big Sandy Lake. You ever been out to Big Sandy Lake, Brad? I have been. I uh, was on a motorcycle uh, ride out there one time. Yeah, not a real deep lake, but, uh, boy, it's been a long, long time. What was the ski resort that used to be out there? Maybe it still is. I, Quadna um, Mountain. yes. I don't think that's still a thing out there, though, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure Big Sandy. Big Sandy Lake. Very nice area out there, though. We went uh, went into McGregor, and then what's the town right beyond McGregor, uh, the the small little little town? Right. We we stopped there. Yeah, right. In fact, we have a caller that comes from right every once in a while that comes in. That's right. That's right. That's right is right. Jenny. Well, anyway, look, uh, we got to do our CBS News break. When we come back from that, I would like to talk a little bit more about this piece of Fetterman's because this reporter from CNN asked Fetterman a very interesting question about, uh, you know, would he do like Israel did and go into that area? And his uh, his answer might surprise you when we come back uh, after CBS News. KDAL time is uh, one, two, three, four, five. I'm sorry, now it's 1235. <laughs> it just went from 1234 to 1235. <laughs> kind of threw me for a loop. 29 degrees at the airport, Brad. 32 in Canal Park. And we're going to get that uh, Luchin Mountain update here. We had a little issue with that, but we'll get that later in the broadcast. Okay. And uh, on the Very phone, good. on the phone, we do have Justin from AirServe. Well, Justin, welcome to another week of beautiful weather here in the Northland. Uh, I I would imagine you've got uh, most of your week already set up ahead of ahead of time for you. I certainly do, and I'll tell you about my visit that I had this morning. We had a 
customer with a fuel oil boiler, probably about 25 to 30 years old. And not only did they have a fuel oil boiler, they also had a boiler mate. So that is a little bit different than your electric tank water heater that a lot of people have in your, their home. That is a separate okay. zone coming off that boiler. So that boiler needs to fire periodically, even when it's not in heating season, to replenish the heat and that volume of hot water that's stored in that tank. So, again, the opportunity to get everything up off the floor. We go from very complicated plumbing, pump configuration, appliances, all that kind of stuff. And we go with an 18-inch wide, 16-inch deep, 30-inch tall box that goes up on the wall that does the heating for a 3,000-square-foot house and does more hot water than you can shake a stick at. And, of course, that appliance runs off of a gas source, either propane or natural gas. And our good friends at Keywood Oil and Propane are going out there at the end of the week to get them a propane tank so that they're ready for that install next Monday and Tuesday. Now, now, Justin, explain to people why it's important to get these systems up off the floor. I, I think I know. I'm pretty sure I yeah. do. But Well, most yeah. systems, Brad, most floor-mounted appliances are not considered to be a high-efficiency appliance. They're a standard-efficiency appliance. So when we think of a standard-efficiency appliance, we think about something that has a chimney pipe coming off of it that ends up going right. over to a chimney in order to relieve the system of its exhaust. So the efficiency percentage that we get off of a floor-mounted appliance is probably about 84% or so, regardless of what the fuel source is. Well, then when we go to the high-efficiency option, we're not only changing the efficiency of how that fuel is burned from 84% all the way up to 96 97%, but oftentimes the customer that has that fuel or that floor-mounted appliance also is doing a change of energy source at the same time. And so the efficiency on the electrical side, the fuel side, the cost reduction, the tax credits, the rebates that you get, it's a very, very attractive package because, Brad, I can't tell you how many times I go into a customer's house and they are wasting more money on utilities than what a brand-new system would cost in very short order. Yeah, yeah. Now, is there also uh, is there also an issue with having it down on the floor? The fact that you could get water in the basement, and well, a lot of times, if if water comes in the basement area, it could short uh, these systems out. So furnaces, even if they're high efficiency, are typically still a floor-mounted appliance. And so we take all of our furnaces, we really set them up a lot differently than other HVAC contractors in the Twin Ports. We put all of our furnaces on a six-inch uh, sheet metal box. It's called a return airdrop box. And so when we okay. cut the return into the side of the furnace, it's also sitting on a hollow box and it feeds that fan and that fan motor in the bottom of the furnace with return air from the side and the bottom. So we're elevating the system up off the floor for standing water purposes. We're actually quieting a very, very quiet machine down a little bit further by putting it on that box. And we're actually adding about 8 to 10% more return air coming back to that system without doing anything with the ductwork in the house. It's quite a neat little wow. thing. That is, that sounds great. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people in the Northland uh, that I'm sure have gone through this winter and they're probably saying, Phew, we, we, you know, we, we're not out of the winter yet, but we've made it through most of the season. But it really is time for us to start looking at replacing this old tired system we got. So how do we get a hold of Justin and how do we get a hold of AirServe to get you out to the house? Our telephone number at the office, Brad, is 218-879-SERVE, S-E-R-V. And our website available 24-7, airserve.com, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you again very soon. Justin from AirServe, great, great air conditioning, heating, and so much more. Just the breathability of the air in your home. Now, uh, let me go back to this Fetterman deal real quickly here because I, I think he... 
you know, I, I didn't give him as much credit for using his cranial powers as maybe I should have. Fetterman answered this uh, CNN reporter, uh, this Phillips cut back in and asked, but is it something that you would support? Do you think this is wise on the part of Israel to do what they, it sounds like they're planning to do? Fetterman answered, well, if they believe that Sinwar, and Sinwar is the guy that is the top Hamas guy, the guy that has planned and put everything together and into into uh, into Hamas's play, including the incursion into Israel. If Sinwar is hiding there, then I, it seems that it would be reasonable to eliminate the leadership because he's effectively the Bin Laden of October 7th. I know that they that they really, and I believe they want to, ma- to minimize any kind of death of civilians as well. But right now, I'd say if they surrendered, if Hamas just surrendered, all of this would be over. And I think he's making a very valid point. There is no way that Hamas can possibly think, pushed over into a corner up against Egypt, that there is any way that they can win this conflict. They've lost uh, most of their battalions. They've lost most of their fighting. They've lost all of their supplies, their underground supplies of ammunition and weapons. There's nothing left for them other than just to pack it in. The other thing is is that um, Fetterman makes the point here as well that uh, why don't why don't they just bring whatever hostages there are still bring them back trade them for Palestinian hostages it's probably because they're dead or most of them are dead and they don't have much to trade and they don't want to admit that they killed a lot of the hostages when they took them but look i read a piece over the weekend and i just want to refer to this because it raised a very interesting question it said what what after the conflict is over. What is going to happen then? And part of it came from the military leadership of Israel that said, whatever we put back into place in Hamas or into Gaza has got to be controlled. If we want to have a secondary Palestinian state there, then we have to have a border. In other words, uh, not only the fence that they had up, which didn't function that well because they shut down a lot of the current and the electricity going into the cameras and everything that were supposed to show what was coming, but they need a buffer zone. Uh, they need like a DMZ all along the border. And he said the Israeli army will man that that uh, buffer zone. And then we will also have to make sure that whatever power comes into play in Gaza is not a military function. In other words, we would like the Palestinians to be able to develop a country on their own, maybe grow their own uh, fruits and vegetables like we do in Israel and, and peacefully coexist with Israel. But we can't do that if an organization like Hamas comes in and immediately takes over and takes over the entire controlling of that region by another military force, whether it's uh, Hamas or Hezbollah or Islamic Jihad or anybody else. So I, I think anybody that thinks that Palestine, that the Palestinian people are going to go in there and control that area themselves 
uh, it's probably not going to happen. Yes, maybe they'll have their own uh, structure of uh, uh, of government and um, you know have their own government headquarters and all of that, but they're not going to be able to turn it into a military camp like Hamas did ever again. And so I think what they're I think what Israel is looking at right now is they're going to go into that last area and move the Palestinian people, people that don't have arms, people that don't, you know, if you've got women and children, move them back into the other areas of of Gaza that have been cleaned out already and let them start setting up infrastructure back in those areas, but without the military wing of Hamas there controlling and stealing from everybody else. So I'll tell you, it was a rather interesting piece, but it uh, it talked about how, how the two sides could very easily coexist. Uh, there are Palestinians that wanted to coexist with Israel that were coexisting. A lot of them were living and working in some of those areas, and they can uh, set up a structure that is secure and uh, and have that available, but not as long as you have an organization like Hamas under the leadership of Sinwar that has decided that they're going to militarily try to control or try to overcome. You you can't have this uh, this theory of the from the uh, uh, from the river to the sea uh, philosophy of killing off everybody. Uh, anybody that's Jewish in that area, so I I really had to give uh, I had to give Fetterman a little more John Fetterman a little more credit than I had in the past for using his noggin to think through some of this stuff, and he's he's right. At this point, there is nothing left for Hamas to do but call it a day, pack it in, and uh, give up their weapons, and uh, and then uh, let the Palestinian people back in and start building. Uh, because you know what, there's no country around there that wants them in their country. Egypt has made it very clear we're not opening our borders to anybody. We'll open our borders to send in uh, uh, food and clothing and materials to rebuild the country, but we're not willing to take in those people. They, we do not want those refugees. Uh, let them stay where they are at. Uh, and and that's maybe the best thing that could happen. But Israel is going to have to have a buffer to protect itself. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work out in the future either. Well, moving right along, we are uh, at that point that we're going to have to take our Minnesota news break. Let's do that, and then we'll uh, come back. We've got a few other things here in hour number two with Sound Off here on 610 KDAL Radio. KDAL time is 12.51.32 at Duluth's Sky Harbor Airport, 32 degrees. Winds are out of the northwest at 15, so there's a feeling out there of 22 on the air temp with that wind chill. Hmm. Yeah. Not much of a wind chill, though. I mean, some, but... Uh, 10 degrees know, difference. Not. Yeah, well, that's true. But not that a bitter is... wind chill. No, no, not a no. bitter wind chill. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me just end this uh, segment uh, about what might happen in uh, Gaza in that area. Uh, after I did that piece on John Fetterman, uh, I followed it up by reading what what exactly Benjamin Netanyahu is uh, proposing to happen here. And it, it ended with this. It said, on Friday, just before sundown and the onset of the Jewish Sabbath, 
Netanyahu delivered the following statement translated from Hebrew by the government press organization. It is impossible to achieve the goal of the war of eliminating Hamas by leaving four Hamas battalions in Rafah. In, on the contrary, it is clear that intense activity in the Rafah requires that civilians evacuate the area of combat. Therefore, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has ordered the IDF and the security establishment to submit to the cabinet a combined plan for evacuating the population and destroying the remaining battalions. While there is support among the Israeli public, some support, for a hostage deal that would include an extended pause in fighting, Israelis in general do not want to stop the war until Hamas has been destroyed and can never threaten it with attacks uh, or rockets ever again. And that that's really, you know, uh, again, when you look at how to fight a war, you don't think about the way World War II was fought. Would that would that war have uh, ended the way it was if Hitler had been left alive to continue to try to control things? No. Well, we have on the phone with us from high atop the seventh floor of the U.S. Bank building, we have Chris Dahlberg, attorney at law. Chris, uh, welcome to another week here on Sound Off. How are things? Pretty good. Pretty exciting good. game last night. Oh, yeah? Good. Did you, did you watch the game last night? Oh yes, God yes! I never, <laughs> never go without it, and it was a pretty good game in in all. I mean, the the overtime was probably the best part for sure. But yeah, well, we were saying early on it was pretty boring, wasn't it? It was pretty. It was slow the first half. Yeah, yeah. Then it came alive. So, hey, oh well, man, yeah. At the Dahlberg office, you know, last week I said to people, Minnesota Power Lease Land, Minnesota Power Lease Land. Minnesota Power Lease Land. So, you know, we do estate planning. We're always dealing with the real estate and cabins. Well, there's a lot right. going on with the, those lease programs. We can help with that. But the other thought tied to real estate is when you come into our office to do uh, your estate planning, not only are we asking about, you know, getting the will and everything done, but in order to do that, we want to know how has your real estate been titled in the past? And you might say, well, we're good. Everything's good. We also have a cabin interest. Uh, with a bunch of siblings. Well, when I look at that, I go, oh, boy, this could be <laughs> a problem. This could be problems in the future. And so that's it's it's sort of a comprehensive thing. We're looking at all things. So for the listeners, when you're thinking, boy, I need to get my will done, there's more to it, and we'll help you to really cover all areas of your uh, your life. So call the Dahlberg Office. Fantastic. And the phone number to call? 218-722-5809. Again, Dahlberg Office. 218-722-5809. And everybody have a great week. You as well, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah, great uh, great week coming up. Uh, and the Dahlberg Law Firm located uh, right here in the Northland, available to help you out both in Minnesota and Wisconsin with your wills and estates. Very easy to do, very non-threatening process. Uh, but if you don't have it done, it could be very tough for you in the future. Anyway, when we come back uh, with the third hour here, we're going to get into some uh, issues, some local issues, uh, because there are lots of things happening on the local front that are uh, pretty insightful as well. Um, 
you know, where there's uh, there are some. Well, let's put it this way: the legislature starts up today down in Minneapolis. And uh, it's always kind of fun to say that because right away everybody wants to grab their wallet and hang on because it seems like every year that the legislature legislature meets down at the Capitol, uh, they're looking for more and more money. This year they're going to be looking for money to rebuild and replace some of the office buildings so they can have better, more accommodating office space. But it's going to cost millions of your tax money. And there is a possibility that they're going to look for Minnesota to become a sanctuary state. And when we first come back with our number three, we're going to get into that specifically because uh, the more I'm reading on that, that might not happen. And the reason for it is I don't think Democrats are going to be able to keep all of their uh, numbers in line. There's enough people that look at what has happened in some of the other states around the country, specifically in uh, Chicago, New York, uh, California, and they're looking at those uh, states and saying, we don't want to match those. We don't want uncontrolled migration from everywhere. And there are some uh, interesting stories out there. Uh, Wisconsin has one right now that one of Kenny's old stomping grounds, Eau Claire, is looking at to whether or not they're going to accept a group of Somali residents to come and live there. And the worry is that they will be able to bring their extended families later on, and that could mean thousands of these people, much like what has happened in downtown Minneapolis, coming into their areas. And they're concerned that some of that may change the fabric of the community. So, uh, We'll uh, we'll definitely get into that when we come back with our number three right here on 610 KDL with more sound off on a Monday, the day after the Super Bowl uh, right here on 610. Yeah, we're going to go to break here and uh, bring that music up in a little bit. Bradley, uh, born on this day, February 12th, 1809, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's right. This is Lincoln's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. If he was still with us, Brad, he'd be 215. Well, my granddaughter shares his birthday, oh, Laura, that's, really? at, that's out at West Point. Yeah, her, her birthday tragically, is as well. The 16th president of the United States was shot in, by an assassin. In 1865, he was 56 years old. You're home for Bulldog Hockey. Score! 